0: Hey everybody, I'm Brian, and this is Base Pairs, the podcast about the power of genetic information. Now, I first wanted to thank everybody for their patience thus far. We've been on somewhat of a hiatus, but this is one of those special episodes I mentioned at the very end of the last episode in Season 3. Now, that last episode, that was Episode 17, which we called Genomes, Justice, and the Journey here. A lot of alliteration going on. And... In that episode, we talked a lot about what some of you have probably been thinking about, which is uh, personal genetic testing services like 23 Me or My Heritage DNA. So just a little bit about a month after that episode aired, so we're talking now mid-October 2018, A new paper came out in the journal Science that talked a lot more about this subject. And the name of that paper is Identity Inference of Genomic Data Using Long-Range Familial Searches. According to the authors, the purpose of the paper was really to see the power of kind of what's being called a genomic triangulation. This is the same strategy that was used in an open-source genomic database to track down the Golden State Killer and has since been used to identify Jane and John Doe victims and people behind other violent crimes. In our podcast... We talked a little bit about the privacy implications of searches like this, and the paper follows those same lines discussing who could be most likely to be implicated by these searches and, more importantly, mitigation strategies that companies and individuals can both take to uh, protect everyone's privacy. Uh, I was able to catch up with one of the authors of that paper. This is Yaniv Ehrlich. He's an alumni of Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory, and he's also the chief scientific officer of My Heritage DNA. Genetic privacy has been a subject that's always been a little near and dear to Yaniv. Back in 2014, he and Arvind Narayanan of Princeton University kind of explored this issue and later were recognized by Science Magazine as the guys who really predicted what police would wind up using to track down criminals like the Golden State Killer. That's what we first talk about in our discussion, and then we transition into talking about his newer paper a little bit later. So enjoy the conversation, and I'll be back in a little bit.
1: Yeah, so we had a paper, this is like a 2014 paper in Nature Reviews Genetics, Mm -hmm. where we mapped all the different strategies to breach genetic privacy. We wanted to create kind of like for data custodians, for ethicists, and just researchers that are interested in the domain, a summary of all the methods that we think uh, could be used to breach genetic information and to learn or to, to infer some private things from this information. And the point was to create a taxonomy of different attacks. So we can actually, when we talk about different things, we we know exactly where we are in this taxonomy, and we can communicate between these these different uh, disciplines. So one of the the routes that we identified was to use genealogical triangulation. And previous to that study, nature of genetics, we published another study in science where we show that you can infer the surname of individuals, or males, from the Y chromosome. And if you have the surname, then with a bit more uh, identifiers, you can really zoom in and get to the person. And one of the suggestions when we talked with the NIH and other data custodians was, let's just remove the Y chromosome and this will solve the problem. And we were like, oh, it doesn't sound right, right? You start to remove pieces from the genome and then we can can maybe execute the attack with other pieces of the genome. And this is why we kind of like, we, we Thought about it, and we thought that there is this idea that you can, if you can find a second cousin, a third cousin, some distant relative of a person using GEDMATCH, and we mentioned GEDMATCH in this Nature of Use Genetics uh, Mm. manuscript, this will give you kind of like a a much smaller search space to nail down the person. And later on, we found that, you know, this is how the Golden State killer was uh, uh, captured. This idea of like conducting the the study that, you know, we published uh, a week or so ago in Science was for a long time was on the on the to-do list of my lab in fact we had a summer student that was uh, working on that we just i just moved to my heritage and put it on hold but yeah
0: now i'm curious so now we're talking specifically about the golden state killer case but i know you've been keeping a list yeah. of other mm-hmm. cases in which this similar uh, triangulation has been going on, what kind of crimes are these and how many so far have you found?
1: So I think the list currently has 19 individuals. 15 out of them are um, law enforcement agencies that identifying criminals, most of which we talk about um, murder and rape crimes. Um, Other four cases are bodies that were never claimed and unidentified, such as the, the buckskin girl and a few more uh, um, bodies of, of uh, individuals and in fact it's quite interesting before the Golden State Killer, the Golden State Killer received all the news but just to you know, make sure that we give the right uh, um, acknowledgement to, to everyone, three weeks before that a not for profit project called DNA Doe Project show that they identified a buckskin girl using this technique. So they, they had the body. Right. Police. The police had the body? Yeah, before that, three weeks before that. And I was on their Facebook page and I saw that and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then three weeks later, the Golden State Killer. But this one was not reported as widely as, as the Golden State Killer. So they, they had the body. This is some, 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 It's a young lady in her twenties that her body found and this was a violent death. It was not like some sort of an accident. Mm-hmm. And they try to identify her, there is also a wiki page for missing people that try to gather information and nothing really worked. So they genotyped her, and I think they have enough DNA, you know, from a body have quite a lot of DNA. They genotyped her and uploaded the data to GEDmatch. I think they found a first cousin once removed, and which, which is close enough. And with a few more identifiers, they were able to reach out to the family of this person. It's a very sad story. So, her father died just about a year ago, mm-hmm. and her mother is some like she's 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 not in um, she's a bit sick. And uh, the uh, she the mother thought she was a, she said that her, her daughter was kind of like very free spirit and she was kind of like so she, was, she thought she just like when she disappeared in a way she 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 knew that she's going like to some some long trip or something like right. that. Yeah. So when she disappeared, they just she thought, you know, it's probably one of her things that she just wants to have contact with the family and at some point in her life she will come back. So she stayed at the same house. She never changed her phone number. And she never reported to the police because he thought this is what she wants. He didn't know that she died like nearly like 30 years ago. But at least they were able to identify her.
0: But it sounds like you know, thanks to these genotyping databases, we're able to give closure to people.
1: Yeah, and I think, let's zoom zoom out the conversation and, and remember that these databases in general, not just GEDmatch, but direct-to-consumer genomics, it's all about connecting people. It's all about, and, and we at MyHeritage were able to help hundreds if not thousands of cases of adoptees looking for their birth families. for. Uh, we had cases. So in Israel, we have this case of the Yemenite Jews that babies were lost and and were adopted without good records, and were able to uh, unify the families. We have cases of um, Holocaust survivors finding each other after years, or just regular genealogists looking for another branch in their family and, and using these dat- databases. So it's these databases in general. We should remember that they serve for public purpose and and. I think, increase the happiness in the world in general. And and I want also to emphasize that people sometimes, you know, people that didn't speak with adoptees, they don't understand the void that these people have in their past, that they don't know where they come from. Mm. And this hopeless search in many cases, because the paper records are not good, sometimes they are forged, sometimes it's just, they cannot locate their family. So the ability to help these people, it's something that even, you know, if you look at the UNICEF Declaration of Human Rights, children's rights. Article eight says that the right for identity and accurate government records is like from birth and it's one of the articles there. Yeah. So our so, so kind of a like disability to go and tell someone that this is where you've been in your life and from the very moment you were born all your life it's something that it, it's human right. So we should also remember that you know because we're going to say some you know this also talk about the kind of like maybe, less desired outcomes from these databases but we should keep in mind that also the 99.99% of the searches are for public benefit of people just finding their families.
0: That's amazing and it, it's, it's an important thing to note because even during our podcast we mentioned mostly the medical benefits mm-hmm. of this kind of information uh, and also of course the fact that it can yeah. be involved in, in police searches and, and people just trying to fill the holes in their family tree almost as a hobby but yeah. This is a whole different human interest side yeah. of it that it really cuts close to home. It's, it's hard for me to think of who I would be if I didn't know who my family were.
1: Yeah, yeah. And for some adoptees, this is, you know, and I worked with, with some of them, and it's just something that is, it, it's, it's hard to explain, I guess, if you're not an adoptee, but, but you just see the amount of suffering that they have, the inability, also, in some cases, even the story that they have about themselves, right? So I work with one person, and this person, his paper records were just forged, he's from Brazil, adopted from Brazil, and his paper record was just um, not accurate, he tried to find his mother, couldn't get, he flew to Brazil, couldn't get anywhere. But then he, and, and one of the things, you know, that he thought is like, maybe someone kidnapped me from, from my crib, because, you know, this is, you know, like Brazil is not like always, it's like, not like first country, you know, first world country. Maybe someone, you know, just capture him and his mother is still looking for him. But then we were able actually to find his half-sister using our database. And she's also an adoptee. She's also from Brazil. This person is from Israel. This person, that uh, his half-sister, is from New Zealand. Huh. And the, now, and, and she's also older than him. So he knows that he's the second one that was adopted from the same mother. And, and it's a different story. Suddenly, it's not this, like, maybe my mother is looking for me and mm. someone just, you know, they... Like was was abducted me as a baby, but maybe it's a different story. Okay, maybe it's a person that you know under some 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 stress, like socially and financially, mm-hmm. and she needed to give the babies for adoption. But but it's a very different, suddenly story that he can tell about for himself. Yeah. So yeah.
0: You're able to stitch their story together just by putting these two people together. Exactly.
1: Then also with, with the help of of Yauh um, Nove which is the DNA director of MyHeritage, he suggested you should look at the X chromosome because they should share the X chromosome if they are from the same mother, right? He's like a, he's a, he's a male, so he should share the X chromosome of his mother, right. and she should get some of the X chromosome of her mother, right? Or some parts of the X chromosome that he got.
0: And it's worth mentioning, this wouldn't be possible if we had kept it... I know before genotyping, before that it was mostly just Y chromosome tracing, right? Exactly,
1: yeah. Then they cannot find... If she doesn't have a Y chromosome in the mitochondria, you match so many people in the world with the same mitochondria. <laughs> So so we we tested that you know it took us like like like, it was like before lunch after lunch I got back to the computer you know like ran this algorithm and found that they, they share the same X chromosome I called him told him like it's you're from the same mother
0: From there you know, I I hope that they're still looking into their story but at least now they are in contact
1: Exactly Don't that we got any and also it's a different story for 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 himself now just to understand where he come from, right? It's it's a totally different story. I'm, I'm alone in this world. I and again, who knows what happened? If, if all my paper, every every piece of document that I look, and I, it tries to validate it with the authorities in Brazil, and it's like, nah, we like he, he had this like birth certificate, right? And he went to the hospital that he was supposed to like where he was born. It's a very small hospital in a rural town in Brazil with 30,000 people. It's it's like call it a hospital is like a huge compliment, right? It's. Mm. Few rooms connected, or something that, and they they look at the records. like no, not a single baby was born at the day that is written on your birth certificate. It's so kind of like you're puzzled, you know, what's going on, right? Now some of the details are. They say, oh, this like paper, the person that signed it here, the, like the, the adoption paperwork. It's it's a judge that used to be here like 30 years ago, but so something kind of like, you know, it's like like a, a, a maze of mirrors. Some things like look like as if they're reliable, some are not, and. But mm-hmm. the DNA is the only piece of information that he got that for sure. Is that's like we know for sure.
0: It builds a solid foundation. Exactly, to build this almost an investigation. Maybe something was going wrong I, at the hospital. I,
1: I think it's more than it, to build an identity. Mm. it's about identity forming, and and we are helping these people to feel parts of their identity and form, like you know, like the the foundations of their identity in some places.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. But now, obviously, there, there's, there's the other side of it. We, we can talk about the, the benefits of um, knowing medically certain markers. But in, in the podcast itself, we, we mentioned uh, that there is a difference between a full genome sequence and this genotyping that is done by most services, MyHeritage DNA being one of them. Uh, can we just... I just want to go over that very quickly. What, what is the difference?
1: The difference is that in whole genome sequencing, you look for quotes everything. It's nearly everything, but, it's, it's, but, but, but you basically look without any um, prior knowledge of what you're looking for. Mm. With genotyping, we already we focus on specific areas in the genome that we know that they are polymorphic and have been documented as polymorphic, at least in uh, European populations before. And so this is genotyping. Now, the trick is that from these polymorphic areas, you could impute back quite a lot of the genome. So although you didn't sequence the entire genome and you just got a snapshot of 700,000 markers, you can impute back the status of about 40 million markers that are segregating in European populations.
0: Great. So you're comparing it back to uh, almost a, a sample size genome. Yeah.
1: And, and, and you do that. And the, the concept here is to think about I don't know if you, you probably have this game in the States that you sh- they show you a word and some of the, of the letters are blanked
0: uh, oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. Okay, you there's the a TV letters. show in Israel,
1: yeah, I forgot how they call it in the it States. It could yeah. be like Hangman. Yeah, know. Hangman, yeah, it's like Hangman, yeah, something like that. And and, and the concept is, is similar, right? The, the genotypes that we obtain are like the assigned letter in the Hangman game. And all the places that we didn't genotype are like these blanks that you need mm-hmm. to fill. Now, the thing is that, you know, there are so many possibilities, right? 26 letters in English, and then you have multiple positions, so it, it goes exponentially, the number of potential words that you could think of. But here is the thing, right? We know that in English, there are certain letters that usually don't come next to each other, right? There's there's some covariance, like Q and Q will not come next. It's not a valid English word or I know. And X is like something that is quite rare to find anyhow. So you use all these hints, your brain can do it very fast and look at all the hints, also the sentence need, need to make some sense. So you use all these hints and then quite quickly, you can actually get back to the word Now, how do you do that? Because you have kind of like a mental dictionary of Mm. the words in English and what makes sense and what not. Same thing with genomics. You genotype these samples, and now you need to fill back all the blank pieces, but since you saw already many genomes in the past, so you can kind of like fill this, like you have a mental dictionary, dictionary, you can go back and now get this like a completion with some accuracy. It's not, there is, it's a a bit error-prone, it's not perfect, but it's it can be quite accurate for especially common variations.
0: Right. And, and is that the difference between say my heritage DNA and 23andme or is it different?
1: No, no, we use nearly the same platform actually. Oh. Everyone like nearly every company like the big, there are four big companies in this in this community. We have Ancestry, 23andMe, MyHeritage and FTDNA. And we usually use the same nearly the same platform all of our like, all these companies genotype and don't sequence and and the point is that it's just much, much cheaper to genotype. We talk about tens of dollars versus whole genome sequencing, which is the order of hundreds of dollars. Right. And this is an end-customer uh, um, product. It's not something that you sell to businesses. So price is like it's very sensitive to the price.
0: Now, At the same time, this, this genotyping, uh, we, we've talked about previously that the genotyping itself is not nearly as dangerous for people to get their hands on because they don't have the whole sequence, they might not be able to find certain I, information.
1: I actually think that the genotype, in fact, can give you quite a lot, like for yeah. many, th- yeah, I think like, so let's, you know, let's think about it. Let take, let's take an example from Cold Spring Harbor, Jim Watson. So he, 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 he had whole genome sequencing, right? Right, right, back during the human genome. Period. Yeah. Now, the thing is that he wanted, he didn't want to know and also to disclose its ApoE status. ApoE is the gene that encodes that if if you have a certain allelic combination, you get very high risk for Alzheimer. And Jim thought, you know, at that time it was like around his 80th birthday. He thought, you know, I'm getting old now. I don't want to know and I don't want anyone to know. So let's release my entire genome because I don't care about any other trait Mm. except of Alzheimer. So just cut this piece from my genome, this ApoE region, just remove it from my genome. The thing is that you can impute back, although it's not genotype now suddenly, you can impute back the ApoE from the common variants that's co-segregate with it from yeah. the rest. And, and actually someone published a paper, this was in European Journal of Human Genetics 2009, someone, it's a Peter Vischer group, that they were able to impute back his ApoE status, and they showed that they want to disclose, of course, his status. But they, they as, a, as a positive control, they took the Craig-Venter genome, cut out the ApoE the same way that in the gene Watson genome imputed back and show that they got the same results that in this genome. So now we, we talk about whole genome sequencing, but the thing is that they use the same markers for imputation as the genome wide genotyping array markers. So you can use this technique even though you have genotyping arrays to know the ApoE status. You can also calculate the response for various drugs because these are common variants. You can also calculate the polygenic risk score for different types of diseases. We talked today about you know, heart disease. There is a, a recent work by the Broad Institute that showed that if you fall within a specific, like 2.5% of the people that they genotype, fall in a category that is as worse as familial hypercholesterolemia for heart disease. And they can get it from the common SNPs, not from the whole genome data. Wow. Just from the arrays, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah.
0: That's, that's big. I, but I know there are, there are restrictions in place, at least in the U.S., where you can't provide certain medical uh, advice based upon somebody's uh, sure, genotyping, sure, right? Sure,
1: but you ask, conflict, what is dangerous? And, and when we talk about dangerous, we don't talk about essentially people that follow the rules. So if it was a normal, you know, research, not a research, as a clinical setting, your ability to give back the results of, let's say,
0: BRCA1, uh, BRCA1
1: gene. gene, right, or something like that, then then these results you need either to get clearance from the, FBA, the FDA for your product, or if it's under some sort of like physician-patient relationships, you could get it under what's called lab-developed test, which the FBA, FDA basically does not regulate and kind of like allows this kind of like exchange of information uh, without prioring uh, to, to approve this product. And there's other regulations you need to have the test in a clear lab and so on, but that's like more nuanced. Um, so that would be like in a regular setting the in, okay. in, in, in when you, you know, if you want to hack to someone's genome or something like that, then you just get, you know, the Jim Watson genome imputed back the ApoE status, so now you learn something that, you don't give it even back to Jim Watson, right? Yeah. Use information for whatever benefits that you want to get from it.
0: Now, I was, when I was talking to um, Kurt Rogers, the, the co-founder of GEDmatch, he, he was mentioning that his dream for the future would be that everybody specifically owns their genotype or their genome and you know with with permission you could give it to your clinician at any time and say hey i want to know what's going on you know i feel sick right now and i'm worried it's a genetic problem uh that's his dream for the future he wants everybody to be genotyped at birth and then so on and you that would be your it would almost be like your social security number or anything else it'd be Mm -hmm. this secret you own it but it is tied to uh important information what, what do you see for the future?
1: I, I would separate two things, right? I would separate. Like I, I do see the value
0: mm-hmm.
1: for for genotyping individuals. I want to give options for people to, before they are genotyped. I don't want, like you know, I, I want to give. I want to educate people, let them choose not to do it in a mandatory way. That right. oh now like you know like the, the moment that my son was born was one of the most magical moments of my life, and you know, the first few days were quite stressful, uh, right? And and I don't want this like moment now to be like thinking about you know oh it's status eight years from now and he's braca whatever and right. and all these things actually no he was like he was born he was healthy so we, we don't want to kind of like over diagnose him for everything at that point I really I don't see the value of this information at at birth right. at birth and so I I would maybe. And also now, right? Let's think about this. Now he's seven years old. I have another daughter that is four years old. Do I want, to, I, they are, both of them ask me to do, they, they hear me talk about DNA no, all the time, they're right? Curious. They're curious. and they ask me to run a DNA test on them with my heritage. You know, for me it's like, it's super easy, right? I have these kids at home. It's not that I don't <laughs> even need to like buy it somewhere. And so far, I, 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 I argued against, I told him, you know, you should, like, I all both of them, you should grow up, understand the meaning of this information. I don't think even I understand the meaning, like totally right, like working in this field for a decade, but let's be more educated about this information think for yourself, if you want to do it, sure, yeah, I, I you know, I, I, all my family nearly like took a DNA test because they wanted to know where they are and, and all of that, but I do want to give my kids a choice mm-hmm. and to be kind of like more strategic about it.
0: So I guess that's an important question then, uh, a lot of people would make the argument, okay, well, you know, I don't want to be involved in this because of what people can learn about me. But it might be unavoidable in the sense that somebody can actually get your genome from if they picked up your cup and swapped it yep. and, and, and what have you. Uh, it reminds me of Gattaca. <laughs>
1: it's funny that you, you, know, you mentioned Gattaca because I think we go to the point, you know, in Gattaca, they had the DNA of this person that was not supposed to be there, right? Right. And they couldn't get, like, who is this person? Now, today, we are beyond this point already. We have surname inference, eulogical triangulation, all of that. Like, forget about it. Like, we are not there as, you know, they these predictions. If there is a nice thing in the movie that the baby is born and they say, you know, um, life expectancy 33 point something years. And we are not there. Of course, we are not there yet. It will never be there because the irritability of life expectancy is not that high. But, um, and, and it's also, it's, it's a good thing that we will not be able to be there. But in terms of forensic abilities, we are better than Gattaca today. It's not maybe as fast as Gattaca that you just, you know, you punch your... Okay. your although we had a study from our lab, we showed that you can do it in one hour, from, from saliva all the way to sequencing in, in mini ion sequencer to identify someone, one hour. We have a study in eLife 2017, we have an movie to, to show that.
0: And These are those little, um, for lack of a better word, it looks like an oversized SD card, your SD stick, yeah, yeah, or, or a,
1: a miniature uh, phone or whatever, something in between. Right. It's something that it weighs 100 grams. On yeah. So we showed it with this stick thing, and, and with a, a, it's called a Bento Lab. It's like a bento box size centrifuge, and then if like a plate heater. And it's
0: worth mentioning a, a bento box would be a, a box for almost a Japanese lunch, so it's yeah. a lunch
1: box. Yeah, it's a lunch box. So so this is like called a Bento Lab because it's modeled after a bento box. You just have like a centrifuge, a heater, and, and a few more things. So we use just this BentoLab Plus ion sequencer. I, I took a, a, a um, swab from my cheek, gave it to my postdoc. We have everything like recorded, like on, like in. We, we have a clock, right? Yes. We show from the like, beginning all the way to the end on the roof of the New York Genome Center, and very quickly we're able to genotype and then to know whether a person is in the database or not. Not to know familiar, not to do familiar searches, but just whether the person. Hmm. So we are getting, you know, for, for generating information, we are not as we are not there with respect to Gataca, but we've, after you generate information, we are way better than Gataca already. We passed this point. We passed this point probably like six, seven years ago. Um, but I do think, you know, the, the, the technology is getting better and better every year, right? Hmm. Like, look even at the prices of direct-to-consumer companies. I purchased my uh, test this was before even my heritage offered this, this test so i purchased from 23andme in 2012 and it was an an offer in dna day and i think it cost like $300 or 200 it was like, oh, yeah. like a quite old, yeah money. yeah and now you can get this test you know like when we are on like in american Society of human genetics we sold these like boxes in for $55 right and 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 we started with $79 2 years ago so the Price and the price for sure will go will go down because it's just getting cheaper and cheaper to genotype people. And also we kind of like it's, it's without going into the specific details. It's not just the genotyping. There is also a supply chain that you need to tune. But every year all the companies kind of like keep adapting their supply chain so they can squeeze. You know, oh we can shave another dollar from here. We can shave another dollar from there. And then you can keep lowering the price. So kind of like you know like how do you do the shipping in the most cost-effective way? How do you collect the DNA? How do all these things that you can now keep reducing the price. Mm. So it, it will be cheaper and cheaper and cheaper for sure.
0: So we've, we've talked a little bit about the future, everything's getting cheaper and cheaper. Uh, is there anything in particular that, that you wanted to talk about that, that we haven't mentioned so far?
1: So, so one thing, you know, we, we published this paper that showed that, yeah, you can catch criminals and you can connect adoptees, which is great, but also these services, especially GEDmatch, it's open to everyone with an internet connection. So the same way that the police can find criminals, which is something I guess everyone is... You no, know, the day that the Golden State Killer was captured was a happy day for humanity, with the exception of his family and, 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 and himself, right? Yeah, cool. So it was a very happy day. So, so that's, that's a good thing. But also the same websites, the same strategy can be used to identify other people. Now, we calculated and we found that we think that today 60% of US individuals with European heritage are subject, like this technique can work and, and identify a third cousin for them. Is it 60%, you
0: said? 60% of the US. About uh, two thirds of the US. Of the US,
1: like Europeans, like right. European heritage. So it's like it's, they're already two th- thirds of the population. So two thirds of two thirds. Although they have a fair chance, you know, it, it's, it works also for Afro Americans. It's not the same level, but it, I think that ch- based on calculation, we talk about 30% chance. And it works for other types of, of ethnicities, uh, I think. We found the lowest success rate for Asian in our database, but you know that it will it will change as, as also more people take the test.
0: Yeah, more people in every different yeah. heritage, yeah, exactly. It's a larger pool, yeah.
1: So this future means now. Now here is the thing, and this is something that I am bothered by. I, I, I don't think the police is the problem here. Yeah, it's very easy you now to conflict, like to vilify the police, and, and there are many problems with the police. But I think you know the police in general. What are we talking about? So they will start to use it to for what? For for people that with uh, um, no parking tickets, probably not, right? At like the worst it's case for too the. It would too expensive, right? But the, let's say the worst case for the police, like no, that for police perspective is that use it to identify people in political demonstration. This is probably a big no-no. But I think this is like quite far down the road. That we are not there yet. The problem is that if this technique can be used by Everyone, what about foreign players? Because foreign players will not adhere to, you know, we can put whatever terms of use we want, but they don't adhere to terms of use. The police might adhere to terms of use. I'm not sure that, you know, any foreign player, I'm sure that foreign player will not say, oh, that's like, they they don't allow that. Oh, cancel the operation, cancel everything, bring them back to the base, you know. Now, the thing is that wh- what we, we need to think is that it creates, especially for the U.S., because these databases are mainly U.S. databases, it creates some asymmetry. It means that a foreign player can cast genetic surveillance on large part of the U.S. population and what is the meaning for the ability of the of, of U.S. government to f- operate, let's say, in covert operations, for instance. So. This is a concern if these adversaries of the US, you know, they can now, let's say there is some covert operation of US forces, it's very hard not to leave behind your DNA, right? If you pee in these operations and and you don't take, you know, or or you just even sweat and touch something, there is a chance that you will leave your DNA behind. And and in this case, the ability to go and, and with a small database to nearly identify everyone. In this population, in the US population, means that these people that were part of the operation are now subject to be identified. Now, the whole point of this operation is that they cannot be identified because it creates risk for them for them, right. for their families. See what the Russians did for their own like spies that went, you know, like flipped sides. Like this is the one in, in the UK, right? They it is like it was not even a big spy. It was a very small fish, and still they, it was worth, for for them it was worth yeah, yeah, worth worth there to actually invest and send this like to tourists with a nerve agent, and so again, I'm I'm not I'm, I don't want it to be like mongering or something like that, but I just want to be realistic about things and and to say and but we think that we can do something about it. I think there is a mitigation scheme that if all companies will adopt we can really prevent this type of harmful consequences. And
0: what, what kind of steps would this include? It's, it's, it's
1: like surprisingly simple. What if all companies will, before they give the users their, even labs, right, not just companies, but it can, can be just the companies for this thing to work, that before they give the user the raw genetic data, which is just a text file, they will sign the file with a cryptographic key. So the file is still a plain text. Right. But you have another line that's with gibberish that signed by the company. Now when this file is uploaded to Jetmatch, Curtis that was here can now look at the signature and run a very quick algorithm that says the file was not tempered, the signature is valid and it belongs to company X.
0: Hmm.
1: If this is the case, Jetmatch will process the file, seamless for the user operation takes like a fraction of a second, the user will not even know that there is something new about JetMatch. If it doesn't have the signature, you serve a different web page for the user. And in this web page you can say like if like who exactly you are. Maybe it's some user that tempered the file and said, please get your data from from the company again. If you are a police, you know, if and and JetMatch wants to support the police, you have a different onboarding process. You put maybe some paperwork with the police to say that, you know, represent that you're searching for the person that you're saying that you're that, that you searching. Some, some legal work, some streamlined legal work, not like every time to build this contract from scratch, but some on, on onboarding process. And if it's not the police and it's not, if it's not a normal user and it's um, whatever person from the KGB or whatever, right? <laughs> Probably it will not reach we to Jedmatch. Yeah, it says KGB because they don't exist anymore, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um, But it's whatever person from from foreign intelligence, you know, that an adversary of the US, they can just, you know, they probably they will not reach out to Jedmatch. But now it kind can of like be much more complicated for them to get their data.
0: Right. Hmm. This is almost like a, a, a genotyping tamper seal.
1: It's also interesting, though, know, for my heritage to take this type of study, and you see this was done with you no know, the blessing of the CEO of the board of. of like My heritage employees. Now, of course, it, it was because I'm, I'm interested in genetic privacy, but, but the point here was that it's people verify Silicon Valley on just high tech company, you know, we, we are in Israel, but we think ourselves as a Silicon Valley company right. to some extent, right? And that, oh, they kind of like, you know, they're just like moving forward, they don't take any ethical thinking about what they do, they, and, and here we kind of like, you know, here's a company that, is actually thinking about you know what we do, how to protect our users, how to create this sustainability, and and also importantly, we do it not five years after the first case was in the news, but we do it like immediately a week after the first case. We start working on this on this manuscript Be- because the, the the horses are still in the barn, right? And they done, they didn't left the barn yet, so we, there is things that we can do to prevent some misuse five or ten years from now, and and Important. I want to emphasize that we are now building the infrastructure for the next decade for genomics. This is just the beginning. What we see. This is just you know we, we genotype how many like 17 million people all over the world. It's nothing. Yeah. Right. We're building this thing now. Yeah. Yeah. It's dropping the bucket. So we are building now the infrastructure. So this is important to think about these issues right now.
0: So you do believe that this is going to become something more than just people. Uh, Opting in based on curiosity, but a lot of people might do it because it becomes a cultural sensation
1: uh, yeah I think so but but also and I want to build this technical means that to allow people to you know have full autonomy what to do with their data while reducing externalities of of their actions on other people right so which is kind of like what you want from a liberal society yeah no,
0: that's, that's that's excellent um I guess what, what, something that I, 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 sh- I should want to ask is: Do you think uh, there's a certain amount of fear and a certain amount of misunderstanding of science that just kind of comes with the territory? Yeah. You know, we see this frequently enough with uh, GMOs, or uh, even in some cases vaccines or global warming. Yeah. Uh, so what about genotyping and uh, genetic sequencing?
1: I think there is a general mistrust in the population, right? You look at like data from especially from the you know, United States about like different institutes. Mm. And they all go like you know <laughs> going to the drain basically like from like, you compare things from the 70s to now it's like consistently like monotonic uh, decreasing function here. Um, I think that currently genotyping is not associated with a government activity or something like that with companies and I think there is more, Trust in this domain, and also, so, so and, and kind of like, despite you know what what you describe, also it, it seems like across the board with data, right? People give Facebook their data. People use you know, Google and share their most personal searches, which is much more scary than genomics, and, and all of that. So, so it, it's an interesting kind of like phenomenon to think about. You know, there is general mistrust, or, or, or there is trust is going down. But on the other hand, like you do give this data to companies. And this, I think, from a more philosophical perspective, it tells us, I think, something about the difference between, first, between attitudes and behavior, and also between kind of like how much people prioritize their privacy compared to other types of, of, um, of utility that they get from websites. Right? And it seems that people put the utility much, much higher than privacy. Of course, if you ask people, do you care about your privacy, like, do, do you care yeah, You care about your privacy, but you know, you use Facebook that, you know, they just share it with like here, like give it to the Cambridge Analytica now. And, and I also use Facebook, right? I'm not like some saint or something like that. And I think the most striking example is the case of um, Ashley Madison. So just remind to, to our listeners that Ashley Madison is, is a, was a website or is a website for cheaters. With the slogan "Life is short, have an affair." Oh,
0: Ashley
1: Madison. Yeah. yes. yeah. i pronounce it probably like wrong, right? No, Ashley. No, yeah, says, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm just talking yeah. with a long island accent.
1: That's <laughs> my <laughs> Israeli accent. It's, it's Ashley. You it's, say it's Ashley. It's, it's Ashley, okay. you can do that, anyhow, uh, in this website, the, the the thing is that the website was hacked three years ago. Mm-hmm. Thirty-six million profiles were leaked. Now, this is data that is far worse than genomics. Far worse. We talk about First, uh, I downloaded the data. This is why I know, you know what was there. I actually look at that. Oh, wow. Yeah, Email addresses, credit card numbers. The passwords were not protected. The passwords were like basically with MD5, which is like a, 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 a child game to, to, to break it, right? It's like, we don't use MD5, I don't know how, how many years already, oh, wow. but they used MD5 to, put, to hash the passwords. Great. So all the passwords were So if you compromise like, not just this account, but also other accounts of, of the users. Um, sexual preferences. Sexual orientation and this being a cheater. Oh my gosh! Yeah,
0: like, you can't get those things. It,
1: in the yeah, genomics. you can't. Yeah, the genomics, like, yeah, take my genome. i put it like, of course, this is like, you know, far worse that like than any leakage in genomics. Thirty-six million people. Now, just to give you a scale, I looked at the number of email addresses with Israeli suffixes, mm-hmm. and there were two hundred thousand addresses like that. Now, in Israel, we have two million households. Which means that ten percent of the country <laughs> use the it's website, cheating. right? Yes. Oh <laughs> cheating or at least looking yeah, for yes. jail or something like that. Anyhow, the point is that this website you know, it was a catastrophe. And and I thought the skies are going to fall. I thought this is like before and after Ashley Madison will not get this it's not the same internet. Right. And there was even a New York Times article about how we're going to see an Ashley Madison recession. And how, because of the, all the divorce rate, the divorce rates is going to jump through the roof. Oh the price of small apartments will go high because uh, people will not, dead. yeah, demand. Mm. And I thought, I'm going to make some money. I know privacy. I will, I will buy these small <laughs> apartments, you know. I feel like make some money out of this Ashley Madison thing. Anyhow, nothing happened. People know, few people committed suicide, so and, and that's it. It's like okay. gone, gone with the wind. The funny thing is, right now, Ashley Madison, is a more popular website than Cold Spring Harbor, okay? So if you look at like, you know, you look to an Alexa slash site info, which is kind of like a, a measures the traffic to websites.
0: Mm.
1: Ashley Madison is the top 5,000 website. Google is the first, right? So Facebook course, is the yeah. second. This is the top 5,000 website. Cold Spring Harbor, I think, is not even like, oh, in ew. the 50th thousand, you know, it's not, the, and also like, even like, you know, some, some NIH websites with that protect your genetic data and all of that. Which you know, people keep using the website and tells you, kind of like, you know, talk about utility versus privacy. And here is an example about, like, you know, where is the mind of people, really?
0: I guess you could also say, all, all press is good press. So in this case, it, it's I'd be like, it.
1: you know, I'm not sure that if I think there be at some point that it's bad press. And I think, <laughs> like, losing all your data of this web, plus also accounts that they said that they deleted. You had to pay kind of like a special fee to delete, to wipe your account. Hmm. So they took the money and they never deleted it. Oh my God. Yeah. Or they deleted it in a way that was like, uh, was compromised. And people
0: still trusting the site. That's,
1: people still, i not, i not, thru- they use the website, right? They use the website. And that's
0: your utility.
1: Yeah. I think now they switch the slogan from life is short, have an affair, something like, have your moment, or Ooh. something like that. <laughs> it's a totally new branding.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, Interesting, but I mean, at the same time, Ashley Madison and even people trusting things like Facebook Messenger and Facebook and Twitter and what have you, even though it is easy enough to gather information on these things, even just ad analytics, uh, our own Facebook tells us, our followers, you know, what their likes and dislikes because they told Facebook. Yeah. And, you know, we want to tell them what they like and dislike and tie it to science, uh, give them good storytelling, but not everybody has as you know, genuine intentions, yeah. uh, but nobody's worried about that because it's so integrated into their life. Genotyping isn't really integrated that, that, into our that,
1: life. That's right, that's right, that's right. But, but I think the difference in DNA is that even if some people say, oh, I don't want anything to do with it, right? The externality here is that it's your third cousin that decides to go, <laughs> and now we know. Now if you're the golden state killer, good luck with that, right? So, so that's, 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 I think, the difference between, and DNA is the, from all the other types of information has this ability that none of the other types of information has that, this ability to affect very far relatives.
0: So it, it is worth mentioning because some of our viewers and some of our listeners might bring it up themselves in comments and questions. Uh, I do know, and, and I think most people are aware who are following this kind of news, that uh, my heritage was hacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too long ago, was that, was Half a year ago. 2017? Half a year ago. Half a year ago. And, but that was exclusively emails, correct? That was so emails and,
1: and, and probably hashed passwords. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, um, the interesting thing is that we were hacked like in October, 2017, um, and we didn't know about it, why right? they, they got these emails, and there is a, a company that monitors the dark web Found that here is a list, like some sort of a list of email addresses of my heritage customers, that someone offered to to sell. So they contacted us, and they they and we verified that the list is in fact, you know, is a, is authentic, and not something claiming something. And and we could even since we have we have users joining the website every few seconds, so we can see like the moment in time that they obtained the list because there was like you know you see all the users and then it stops. The day. Right. So we, we could, which really helped, you know, the, the investigation, um, and this, you know, and everything is in the, was discussed in the public before. It created um, so, so. So the first thing, after The the reaction was that we reported immediately. You know, we not like Yahoo that we now we let think about it for three years before we let everyone know. We okay. report it immediately. Yeah, which is the ethical thing to do. And then we. Our engineers, basically, you know, we called all the engineers in the company, and they worked for 24/7 for like if really, like people like stepped on couches. And the point was first kind of like to to we had in, you know we had this in our roadmap like security features that we wanted to roll out like to factor authentication and to, to do better code review in certain types of the website. Also, that they are like kind of like just to, to remind this website is it's kind of like it's you think about it as one website, but in fact, it's kind of like many layers that were built because it started as a, as a standalone software just for genealogy. Then it integrated with some website. There was like we have Genie on top of it. Then we have historical records. We bought some companies also, so we integrated their code. It's a lot of and, it's, yeah, it's all, and then DNA and so on. So the good thing is, you know, this was just the email addresses and the, the, the passwords, no DNA, mm. uh, which is, you know, like very That's far. That's what yeah. most people are going to be most worried yeah, more, about. Yeah, most worried about. But, but since we are a DNA company, the, the, the news were like, a DNA company was hacked. And you tried to explain, like, yeah, but these are not, you know, the email—not even email addresses—was from the genealogy, kind of like part of things, not from the DNA. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, it's like the DNA is like we don't have ninety-two million people with the DNA, although I, I wish we had, right? Um, so, and 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 since, like, basically, the the we the engineers, like, there was like a roadmap that okay, need to execute now all these like security features. Within, like, you know, like. Days and and they work really, really hard to take us. We we completed all the, you know, the the basically the plan for 2018 within like a week or two for security, right? To just to introduce. And then we we changed many things the way that we do stuff in the company, like uh, like who has, like, we reduced the number of people that have access to the data, put more sensors to detect anomalous activities. hired, in Israel there is like the the great thing about it, there is a strong community for cyber security. So we hired consultants also from like top companies, people that serve in the Israeli intelligence to help us kind of like rethink about our security practices. So yeah, and so it it was, I think, you know, in a way kind of like, you know, turning the lemon to a lemonade, this was, I think, it sucks that it happened. On the other hand, at least it was just the email addresses and not more sensitive information which allowed us now to protect everything else that we accumulate about our users in much more it was kind of like a very good teachable moment, I think. Good.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Uh, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I think it was very comprehensive. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I think you really covered it all. Yeah. All right. Appreciate it. Sure. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was fun. All right. So that's it. If you're still with us right now, thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this whole chat. We might do more of these kind of long-form, unedited Q&As. It's really up to if everybody liked it. So, you know, be sure to follow Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory on Facebook or Twitter, and you can just let us know what you've liked about Base Pairs so far, what we might want to change, and if you also liked these kind of long, special episode formats. So uh, keep in touch and uh, look forward to more. We're coming to you from Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory, a
1: private, not-for-profit institution at the forefront of molecular biology and genetics. If you'd like to support the research that goes on here, you can find out how to do that at cshl.edu. And while you're there, you can check out our newsstand,
0: which showcases our videos, photos, interactive stories, and more. And if that's still not enough, you can always pay us a visit. Between our undergraduate research program, high school partnerships, graduate school, meetings and courses, and public events, there really is something for everyone. I'm Andrea. And I'm Brian.
1: And this is Base Pairs. More science stories soon.